sermon will be delivered from another text in Jeremiah. Would you hear now the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. We welcome Mike now as he's going to preach um, on a sermon, Before You Were Born, is the title of the sermon, uh, looking primarily from Jeremiah chapter 1. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, everyone. If you uh, notice on the big thing that has Jeremiah, our, our large passage today, on the back side is also our question and answer period. If you have questions, you can text them to this number that's on the back here. They'll come in anonymously. And then after the service, we'll be in here a little bit to you know, answer any questions that you might have that come up. All right. So... I was reading an article this week from National Public Radio, and it was talking about a study that was released by the Department of um, uh, Human Health and Human Services. In short, that study was talking about an epidemic that's currently in the United States. It's not COVID. In fact, it started before COVID. It's an epidemic of loneliness. This epidemic of loneliness, they say, affects nearly 60% of Americans. And the study suggests that extended periods of loneliness that people endure have the same physical effect as them smoking about almost a full pack of cigarettes a day in how it decreases a human's life expectancy. Now, my guess is that If you're like me, and I'm assuming we've all been this place, we've all experienced from some period or another a sense of loneliness. But what if I told you that 
for all of us, and certainly for those of us who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, that we are never alone. For you in particular, as believers in Jesus Christ, you are known by God. You are set apart by God to be loved. You have been adopted into his family, made co-inheritors of an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. Practically, when God redeemed you through his son, Jesus Christ, he gathered you into his eternal family. But he also gathered you into a very physical, practical family called the church. And specifically for you, he has gathered you into this church because he loves you, because he wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to be in relationship with one another. And through that, you don't have to be lonely. From the very beginning of the Bible, we learn that God created us in his image. And he created us to be in relationship with himself and with one another. Today, I I want us to take a little dive into that biblical truth that you and I are known. Uh, To do that, we're going to look at Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. So that if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. It may be up on the slides. I don't know, but it's in your handout as well for Jeremiah 1.5. But if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. If you're not familiar with where that is, you kind of split your Bible straight down the middle. That'll end you up in Psalms. Take a right-hand turn. You'll pass Proverbs, you'll pass Ecclesiastes, you'll pass Isaiah, and then you'll hit Jeremiah in there. And we're right in that first chapter, verses 4 and 5. For those of you who are looking up, let me give you a few moments to look that up. Jeremiah is an interesting prophet in that he spans the latter years of the final kings of Judah. So he goes from about 627 B.C. to about 587 B.C., right before the fall of Jerusalem when they go into exile in Babylon, the final exile into Babylon. So our passage today begins, though, with the call of Jeremiah into ministry. So let's take a look at verse 4 and 5 together. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of his word. If you will, just give me a moment to pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you that you have been preparing hearts to receive this message today, preparing my own, even as I uh, took time to prepare it. 
Father, I thank you that you are a God who promises that your word does not go out and come back void, but it accomplishes all that you intend. So today we ask you, Father, please do that here. Accomplish all that you intend in our hearts and minds. Do not let us leave here unchanged. But Lord, use this to change our hearts and our minds, Lord, and our actions this week. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So from this short passage today, I want to make three points about our relationship with God. The first is that you are known. The second is that you are set apart. And the third is that you are appointed. And moreover, I hope to leave you today seeing that in all these things, God is the initiator and in truth, the finisher of all these actions. Amen. So for any of you who have suffered loneliness or are suffering from it today, one aspect I think we could agree on about loneliness is that we feel somewhat forgotten. We feel as if we are unknown. Yet our passage today tells us a very different story. The Lord tells Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. When, from that, when does God tell Jeremiah that he knew him? Well, before he was conceived. Think about that. Before he was conceived, God knew Jeremiah. He was known by God. Let's take a minute to sort of break that down. I know it seems pretty simple here, but let's take a minute to break that down. Jeremiah tells us in verse 4 that it is the Lord who is telling him this, right? So the Lord is telling Jeremiah, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you, right? So even before that, so the Lord's the one telling him that. So it bears remembering, I know I say it a lot up here. But it bears worth saying again that the capitalized version of Lord, that L-O-R-D, when it's capitalized, it implies the creator God of Israel, right? So it appears first in scripture where? Anybody know? Genesis 2 in verses 4 through 9 in there. And, and where that shows up is the creation of man where God literally forms Adam out of the dust of the earth where he reaches over, he bends over Adam and breathes life and spirit into his body. The God who created all of the heavens all of the earth, the entire universe, all that we know about existence and a whole bunch of things we don't know, this same God formed Adam, shaped him, bent over him, breathed life and spirit into him. 
Well, that's the same word now that's being used for Jeremiah. <laughs> before, before you were conceived, before you were formed, I knew you. The Lord made man in his own image, right? And what's the beauty of that? Why did he do that? He made man in his own image so that he could be in relationship with him and with others. So what Jeremiah is telling us right up front is that the creator of all the universe is the same creator God, the Lord, who formed him in his mother's womb. It's the same word you would use, and you'll find it in other places in Scripture, of someone who is a potter or a sculptor. That potter or sculptor takes the clay and forms it into something. Now think about it for a second. Imagine that potter looks at that lump of clay and says, Hey, Bob, what would you like to be today? Can you imagine that? It just looks at the lump, picks it up, and goes, Got any ideas of what you'd like to be? Well, yeah, you're, you kind of laugh a little bit, right? Because that's dumb. Does he expect that clay to talk back to him? Really? Does he think the clay knows what it needs to be? No. There's no expectation. We'd actually probably have him go see a therapist or something if he did that regularly. Right? No, that's not how that works. See, the potter comes in and from the, from the very beginning, he's got something. The sculptor from the very beginning has an image of what they want them to be. In his mind, he already knows what the final form should look like. And so from the beginning, he comes in with very clear intent. He comes in with care to produce the thing that he has in his mind. It's very intentional. It's with purpose. Knowing the end from the beginning when he looks at what he wants to create. Seeing that finished product in his mind's eye and then bringing it into being. It's very intentional. It's very hands-on. And this is what God does. This is the word that, that Jeremiah is using here. So one of the first encouragements I take from this passage today is, and it's, and it's very personal for me, because I find it very comforting and very hopeful, is that the Lord created me. The God of all creation actually created me. And he did it with, with, with intentionality. He did it with purpose in mind. And he did it with great care. See, what it tells me is that from the very beginning, God's hand was upon me. That's a thought that ought to just blow your mind right there. This tells me also I think this verse teaches us that you and I are known by
by God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Looking at the Hebrew word for to know here is also helpful. In relation to God, knowing us or us knowing God or us knowing one another. It's a strong word that implies relational intimacy and a protective care. So that word to know implies that relational intimacy and protective care. This tells me that I am not unknown by God. But instead, I am known, and I am known in a way that is very relational. It is very intimate, and it expresses God's protective care for me. Here again, I am not forgotten. I am not alone. I am not unknown. But the God of all creation knows me intimately and cares for me. Now, when I was growing up, my brothers and sisters used to tease me all the time that I was found in a cabbage patch or that crows had dropped me off at the house. We actually had a crow that sat on our roof all the time. My mom called him Yakety Crow. And that that crow had actually dropped me off on, on the back yard and my mother felt sorry for me and brought me in. Now, as you can imagine, I am the youngest of a group of brothers. I have two brother had two brothers and a sister. Uh, the next youngest was 13 when I was born. My sister was 18 when I was born. So I was, as I got older and saw that age difference, they also made clear to me I was the oops baby. My mother, in her kindness, would reassure me that I was not an oops. I was a wonderful surprise. She said that all the way up to her death. My brothers and sisters always said I was the oops. Yet, to my heavenly father, I was not a surprise, nor was I an oops. I was known to him when? Before I was conceived. Friends, though your story of how you came into the world may vary greatly from mine, The truth is that you were created by God, formed intimately by the Lord, and known by him before you were conceived. That truth is the same for each of us. You are known. Here again, I find this to be very encouraging. When I feel like I am forgotten about, unseen by the world, like I no longer matter or have any value or worth, I remember that I was uniquely created by God and that he knows me. I am reminded of this as well, even as Stephen was praying from Psalm 139 today. Psalm 139 tells me that God knows me completely, that he knows my thoughts and that my words, he knows all of them before I speak them. He knows my comings and my goings. He knows me in the light and he knows me in the dark. He knows me by what I do in the open and he knows what I do in secret. 
Nothing is hidden from him. Moreover, there is nowhere I can go that his spirit is not with me. I was wonderfully and fearfully created in my mother's womb. And he knows every day of my life. And he knew them before the first one. To me, again, that's just incredibly encouraging because I know me as well. I know me. And what do I know about me? I can be a pretty unlikable person. Without God, I am not a nice person. I don't even like me. I would punch myself in the face. I mean, that's how bad I am. I'm a terrible person. I know it. I lived with me before God. Yet, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God showed his love for each one of us in that while we were still sinners in rebellion against God, enemies of God, wanting nothing to do with him, I know because I wanted nothing to do with God, he sent his son to die so that we could be transferred out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light. At just the right time, God rescued us. He rescued me and set me free from slavery to sin and darkness. I was a slave to darkness. But God, through Jesus, rescued me and adopted me into his family and calls me his beloved son. In truth, I'm even more encouraged because he put me here. He put me here right in this church. So that I am further surrounded by my family. Yes, you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, whom he also rescued and redeemed and gathered in. So that you and I would not be alone. So that you and I would not be unknown, but known. Not only by God, but by one another. To me... Being known by God is absolutely amazing and comforting. But there's so much more to this story in, in, in these simple verses. So let's look at the next phrase of Jeremiah 1.5. It says that before you were born, I consecrated you. Now, consecrated is an odd word. It's something that I wouldn't use in an average everyday sentence. It's sort of like gobbledygook. I just wouldn't use that word every day, right? Consecrated isn't a word I use every day. In simpler terms, though, it means that to set something or someone apart. It's often used in the Old Testament in terms of articles that were used for the temple or in the temple. Or as part of the offerings of the sacrificial uh, system. So, it is to be set apart for holy things. Or set apart because an item has been made holy. When you read about it in the Old Testament, God calls the priests to make these things that are going to be used in the temple for ceremonial purposes. They make them and then they purify them and then they set them apart. 
And so they are kept apart for holy purposes, for specific uses. So God sets these things apart and makes them holy. Yet in Jeremiah 1.5, what do we find? We find that it's not just things that God consecrates or sets apart for his purposes. It's also people. And in particular, in this case, Jeremiah. The Lord consecrated Jeremiah, setting him apart and making him holy. So let me ask you, when did God do this? When did God make Jeremiah holy? Well, the passage reads, before you were born, I consecrated you. Let's think about that for just a minute. If I just read that correctly, then before Jeremiah had been born, before he had done a single thing, just or unjust, before any righteous or unrighteous thought crossed his mind or darkened his heart, before he took his first breath, before the first beat of his heart, before he was even conceived, thought about by his mother or father, God set Jeremiah apart and he consecrated him as holy and for holy things. In other words, Jeremiah was not consecrated and made holy because his parents were righteous people or because he was a righteous person. No, Jeremiah was consecrated because God chose to do it. I find, again, that to be really encouraging. I really want you, I really want to commend the book of Jeremiah to you. Because if you read it, when you read it, the guy goes through the ringer. It is not something easy that he's called into. He is going to be hated and feared by the people of God. He's going to lose most of his family and friends. People will want to and have every intent of killing him. There are many times he will prove himself in the process to be an imperfect man. And that all those things could have left him in this place that he was without hope and feeling despair, feeling as though there was no point in going on. There were times he was going to be without friends and without companions, without hope. Because of his own failures, his own lack of holiness personally. But there was and there is good news. The good news is that it was never up to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was made holy. He didn't make himself holy. God declared him to be holy. It was God who declared him holy before he was born. And it was God who initiated the relationship. And it was God who formed him in his mother's womb. And all of that was done outside of anything that Jeremiah was about. God is the one who did that. 
Yes, Jeremiah was called to be obedient. Jeremiah was called to follow God, called to press into relationship with God through the praise and prayer and reading of scriptures. But on his worst days, his very worst days, it was God who made Jeremiah holy. And it was God who sought him out to maintain the relationship. And guess what? The same is true for you and I. Through Jesus Christ, God set you apart before before you were born to be holy. Before you were born, God made you his own. He made you his friend and brought you into his family. And listen, it wasn't because of what you had done. It was not because you first loved God, but because he first loved you and gave his life for you. If you are in Christ, you are not a mistake. You are not alone. You are not unknown and you are not worthless. You are formed by the hands of God who knew you before he created you. From before the time that you were born, he set his seal upon you to make you his own. His holy possession, united with him in Christ, made one with him in Christ. And none of it was your own doing. It was God's. What is more, you were created by God with purpose. His purpose for you, which was to fill you or to fulfill in you his purposes. This is what we see in the final phrase of verse 5. When God spoke to Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. What do we learn? What do we learn from this about how God works? God forms us, he knows us completely, sets us apart to be holy, and then he appoints us for his purposes. Now, I don't know about you, but the whole thing about God appointing a prophet kind of sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? I mean, you know, God knows me you're going to be a prophet and I've got, I've set you apart from the very beginning to do that. It sounds pretty cool. It sounds like, yeah, that's something. God, here I am. Send me. The Old Testament is filled with these guys, Elijah and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel. The whole last half of the Old Testament is filled with these guys who are prophets. And if you're the kind of person who, who likes to, poke it and, and, you know, poke the bear or stick it to the man. Dude, the prophet is the guy to be, right? Like he is just up in the face of kings and religious leaders. He doesn't care who you are, man. The prophet is going after you. It looks really cool, right? 
right up until the point when you read that about 80% of these guys end up executed. Yeah, it just doesn't go well for them. They do what God told them to do. They do go right up to the, the, the people, to the kings, to the religious leaders, to point out to them their sin so that they can be led to repentance. And those very same people do what? They throw them into prison. They throw stones at them. They execute them. I don't know about you, but suddenly that sounds a lot less glorious. The whole stoning, sawing in half, pick your one that they get executed by. That doesn't sound nearly as exciting. The prophets had this unique job in the Old Testament to call out sin. They called out the sin of the people, the religious leaders, the kings. Why? So that those people could repent. God sent his prophets to call the people into repentance. And it's kind of like the story we saw in Jonah, right? He gets sent to Nineveh, to the nations, so that they can repent. It's one of the fun stories, one of the few stories in the Old Testament where they actually do that. Prophets were called by God to do these very unconventional things as well. You might remember the story of Hosea, how he was told to go and marry a prostitute. God told him to to name the first child that they had Jezreel because God was about to bring the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Okay, good. The second child was born. It was a girl. And do you know what he called, what he was told to name her by God? No mercy. How would you like to have that as the name for your daughter? Hey, no mercy, come here. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, right. And he did that because God was going to have no mercy on Israel. He said, I'll rescue Judah, but not Israel. And I'll rescue Judah through non-military means. His third child was born a boy. And we didn't call him Bobby. We didn't name him Hosea the second. We named him not my people. Because God's view of Israel and Judah was, you are no longer my people. And I am no longer your God. Eventually, Hosea's wife, Gomer, would leave him and run after other men. She would do so much of that that she would become destitute and put up on the slave blocks to be sold. And what does God do? He says, go buy her back. Make her your wife again. All of this was to show Israel and Judah That though they had broken their covenant with God and prostituted themselves among the gods of the nations, that the Lord would buy them back. And when he did, he would change the names of the children from no mercy to you have received mercy and children of the living God and the children who had been called my people or not my people were now my people. So... No mercy, you have received mercy, not my people, children of the living God. 
point here is the life of the prophet often became a living, breathing, walking, talking, prophetic word to the people. In short, I don't think this is something Jeremiah would have signed up for personally. Here's where I'm headed with that. I told you all of that just to say, I don't know that Jeremiah would have just said, oh yeah, sign me up for this. No, it was God. Jeremiah did not appoint himself to be a prophet to anyone. It was God. God appointed Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. This was God's purpose for Jeremiah. This was what Jeremiah was appointed to by the Lord, the God of all creation, who knew him before he was conceived, who formed him in his mother's womb, who set him apart for the holy use of being a prophet to the nations. Now here again, I want you to know, I find this really encouraging. I don't completely know or understand God's purposes in my life, but I do trust that they are for my good and for his glory. I do trust that he will accomplish his his purposes for me. And what I've learned from this is that what God appoints me and you to do may be really hard. It might be really painful. And if the overall story of scripture is taken into account, it may actually cost me my life. Yet I take courage knowing that the God who formed me is the God who knows me. And that the God who knows me is also the God who set me apart and made me holy. And the God who set me apart is also the God who appointed me to accomplish his purposes. And the God who appointed me is the same God who promised he would never leave me. He would never leave me. And that he would be with me till the ends of the earth. That is what I know to be true. And I commend that this is you to, to realize that this is the same truth for you. Now you may be saying to yourself, hold up there, Mike. This may be well and good and even true for Jeremiah. But how can you say that this is true for us? Well, that's a good question. Thank you for asking it. It is also a question worth taking a moment to dive into, and I will wrap this up quickly. I know, you know, we're getting there. I believe that in the New Testament, the writers understood that this is true for us today. What was true for Jeremiah is also true for us today. So consider the words we heard earlier from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. As I read these verses again, I want you to listen to those points of truth that before you were born, God knew you. God set you apart to be holy and God appointed you. See, will you hear that now in Ephesians 1 through 4, 1, 1 through 14? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him also, you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If I were to go farther into chapter 2, I'll just give me a moment. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, is it true for us today? Yes. Yes, it is. What was true for Jeremiah in verse one of Jeremiah was also true for us and is true for us today. Yes, it was true for Jeremiah specifically, but the principles are true for us today. You and I were formed by God, not only from before we were born, but before the foundations of the earth were laid. Moreover, for those of us who were in Christ, we were chosen to be in Christ before the foundations of the world. In Christ, we are consecrated, set apart, made holy before the foundations of the world. In Christ, we have good works to accomplish in this lifetime that God prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. These are the things that 
God has appointed to you. So yes, what was true for Jeremiah is also true for us today. Yet, there is so much more. So much more than what was revealed to Jeremiah. You and I know that we are not just chosen by God, although that is amazing. God chose us in love. In love. Yes, I got it, dear. Time. Thank you. God in love adopted us into his family. In love, because we are in Christ, God has seated us in the heavenly places. We have every spiritual blessing. In Christ, God has filled you with his Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of your holiness before him and a sign that you are sealed by God to share in an inheritance with the saints in Christ. And church, my dear brothers and sisters, God is doing all of this, not just for his glory, but for you and for your good. It was all, if all of this happened in love and before the foundations of the earth, remember it was not by your good works or because you were a good person, but because God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. It is because God is merciful and God is faithful and God is kind. In fact, even your ability to have faith was a gift of God. This is good news. It's good news because you're not alone. You're not forgotten. You're not unwanted. For those of you in Christ, you are loved by God. You are known by God. You are set apart by God. You are made holy by God for his purposes. So no matter your age, God has a purpose for you still. And you were created to fulfill it. And he did that because he loves you. Friends, let me encourage you, now that we know the truth, to walk in the truth. Walk in the truth that God knows you, that he formed you, that he made you holy, and he appointed you for his purposes. Amen. This is what the Lord our God has done, and it is glorious in our sight. Praise the Lord, and let all his people say amen.